the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. He's on a different schedule. Here he's got this huge crowd, which you would think, you don't want to leave this. And he says, it's time to go. Where are we going? Well, we're going to go to these little podunk towns that are all around the Galilee. And we're going to minister there. What about all these people that are here in this big city? This is what the Lord wants. This is what the Father wants us to do. He's just on a different schedule. He's just on a different timeline that is not not always logical to us or what we would do. God's not subject to the same limitations as we are. There's no impossible or too late for Him. He can act outside of our timetable. As Pastor Dan examines the account of Jesus healing Lazarus in today's message, he'll point out that Jesus' hesitation to rush to the aid of Lazarus and his family was likely due to this. He had great compassion for them and was deeply saddened by their experience of loss. But he also knew that this was an opportunity to demonstrate his power over death. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of John chapter 11 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. have a whole emergency system, thank God, in our society. You've got an emergency, you can pick up a phone and call 911. You know, and we have that in place for an emergency. People come, an ambulance will come, fire trucks will come. Uh, if, it's, if it's an extreme emergency where your, your, your life is hanging by a thread, they'll send a helicopter, right? A medevac helicopter, they'll land it in the road and they'll pick you up and they'll fly you by helicopter to shock trauma, right? Why? Because we're trying to do everything we can do to keep you from dying, right? Because from our point of view, once you die, it's over. There's nothing more that can be done. And so we have all of this emergency stuff in place to preserve life, to keep people from dying. And so it's an emergency to us. It's not an emergency to Jesus. It's not an emergency to Jesus because he has power over death. So there's no emergency here for him. Because he can raise people from the dead. And so we see, again, he's not on our timetable. He's not on our schedule. The second thing we see is that when God waits, listen, when God waits to respond to us, it doesn't mean he doesn't love us. It doesn't mean he doesn't care. And what we perceive as a delay from God doesn't say anything about God's love for us. Jesus loved them deeply. He loved them deeply. And so wait, waiting two days doesn't say anything about his love 
for them. And by the way, uh, there are no delays with God. That's, that's, a, that's a misconception that we have. God is never late. He's never late. God is always right on time. But it's on His time, not our time. It's on His schedule, not our schedule. You know, sometimes you hear people, and I understand what they're saying. Uh, people will say, Christians will say, if the Lord tarries, the Lord doesn't tarry. <laughs> right? He's right on time. In fact, it even says that in Hebrews 13, that the Lord does not tarry. He doesn't tarry. He's always right on time. It may not be our time, though. That's the thing. That's where we get hung up, is, is we've got in our mind what the Lord should do, how He should respond, and the speed with which He should respond. And, and when He doesn't do it according to our schedule or what we think should be done, he doesn't handle things the way we want him to. That's, that's where we get tripped up. And that's where we can start to question the love of God. Or does he care? Does he hear? Does he answer prayer? Well, he just doesn't go by our schedule. I want to show you, turn over with me to Mark chapter 1. I want to show you another example. It's a very striking example, in my opinion, uh, of, of just how God is not on the same kind of schedule we're on. In Mark chapter 1, now, in Mark chapter 1, this is when Jesus was in Capernaum. Uh, he taught in the synagogue on the Sabbath day. He cast a demon out of a man in the synagogue. And then he goes to Peter's house, and he healed Peter's mother-in-law. Look at verse 32. Mark chapter 1, verse 32. At evening time, when the sun had set, so that means the Sabbath day is now over, they brought to Jesus, notice what it says, all who were sick and those who were demon-possessed. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. So the whole town, the whole city of Capernaum shows up with all of their sick, all of their demon-possessed, and they're at the door of Peter's house now. Then he healed many who were sick with various diseases. The idea here is, is he healed all of them, and there were many of them. And he cast out many demons and he did not allow the demons to speak because they knew him. So, so now the whole town shows up. They show up at evening time after the sun has set. And Jesus begins to heal them, right? And how long did that take? How, how late into the night was Jesus ministering to all these people that have shown up to be healed? And so verse 35, it says, now in the morning. Now, if it was talking about you and me, it would say, now in the morning, we slept in till 10 o'clock because we were up so late ministering to people, right? But it says of Jesus, now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place. And there he prayed. So he seeks the Father. He wants to know the Father's will. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And when they found him, they said to him, everyone is looking for you. But he said to them, let us go into the next towns. And that word towns there, it means it means literally unwalled cities. It's, it's little villages. It's little podunk towns. Let us go into the next podunk towns that I may preach there also because for this purpose I have come forth. And he was preaching in their synagogues throughout all Galilee and casting out demons. He's got the whole town looking for him. The whole town is looking for him. And human logic would say, this is where you need to stay. 
you've got this huge crowd right here. Don't go anywhere. Just stay here, build a building, you know, and just here. Like, just minister to the people that are here. There's no reason to leave here. But his ways aren't our ways. He's on a different schedule. Here he's got this huge crowd which you would think, you don't want to leave this. And he says, it's time to go. Well, where are we going? Well, we're going to go to these little podunk towns that are all around the Galilee. And we're going to minister there. Well, what about all these people that are here in this big city? Yeah, well, this is what the Lord wants. This is what the Father wants us to do. He's just on a different schedule. He's just on a different timeline that is not, not always logical to us or what we would do. So now go back to chapter 11. Chapter 11. So, so try to put yourself into this scene as one of the disciples. You know, remember, uh, remember in chapter 10, at the end of chapter 10, Jesus and his disciples, they leave Jerusalem. Uh, we're told at the end of chapter 10 that they go out beyond the Jordan River to the place where John the Baptist was baptizing at the first, and they stay there. So they're out, you know, in the Jordan River Valley. Uh, uh, you know, some estimate about 15, 20 miles away from Bethany. He's out there with his disciples. And imagine if you're one of the disciples, this messenger shows up to inform you that Lazarus is sick. Jesus says, well, this sickness is not going to end in death. It's going to be for the glory of God. And then, he, and then two days go by. And he doesn't say anything else about it. And maybe you've forgotten about it. And now after two days, in verse 7, Jesus says to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. Let us go to Judea again. Now, the city of Jerusalem was located in Judea. Uh, and if you remember from chapter, uh, chapters 9 and 10, uh, the religious leaders in Jerusalem attempted to kill Jesus by stoning him uh, in chapter 9 and again in chapter 10. And now Jesus says, well, well let's go back to Judea. Again, Bethany's only about two miles away from the city of Jerusalem and so verse 8, look at the disciples' response here. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews, the religious leaders, they sought to stone you. And are you going there again? <laughs> Rabbi, don't you remember the last time we were in Judea, how the religious leaders tried to kill you? Don't you remember? I, I know you remember that. Don't you remember what happened when we were there before? Are you sure you want to go there? Don't you want to stay here? And Jesus answers them in verse 9. He answers in kind of a, para, a, a proverb. He says, are there, are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. So he, he, he answers with this proverb. And what, what is he saying with this proverb? He says, uh, you know, aren't there twelve hours in the day? or 12 hours of daylight, we would say today, aren't there 24 hours a day, in a day? Uh, and the idea with this proverb is, you know, there's 12 hours in the day, and, and no one can change that. No one can shorten the day. Uh, it's fixed by God. And what he's saying is, just as the day is fixed by God, my life is fixed by God. My days are fixed by God. Uh, God, has, you know, God has given each of us a set number of days on this earth and no one can shorten that number of days and no one can lengthen that number of days it's ordained by God and Jesus knew he knew that his earthly ministry would end at the Passover when he's crucified 
And nothing can change that. His time on the earth is fixed by God. His time was not up yet. His hour had not yet come. And so he's got nothing to fear at this point and going into Judea because it's not his time yet. Pastor Dan will share the second half of today's message in just a moment. But first, he'd like to take a moment to tell you how you can receive prayer for your needs. Do you need prayer today? Every week we receive prayer requests from our listeners. If you need prayer for anything at all, we would like to pray for you right now. You can share your prayer request with us through our website, calvaryec.com. Again, that's calvaryec.com or through our church app or by calling us at 410-491-4592. And can I ask you to pray for us as well? Pray for the Ring of Truth radio ministry as we bring the Word of God to those who need it. Thanks, Pastor Dan, and thank you for praying. Now, let's finish today's message. Each of us, our days are numbered by God. He's given us a set number of days on this earth, and there's nothing that anyone can do to shorten those days or lengthen those days. It's set, it's ordained by God. Psalm 139 verse 16 says, Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Every moment of your life and my life is written in his book. It talks about in the Bible, it's a tale that has already been told. Your life, my life. He's got it all laid out every day, every moment. And And there's nothing that we can do to change that number. There's nothing we can do to shorten that number of days or extend that number of days because it's, it's all fixed. It's all written in his book. And so that means uh, we, can, we can just have boldness and confidence in the things that God has called us to do. And we don't have to go forward with fear. Uh, we can just go forward with confidence knowing that our days are numbered and, we're, and God's going to keep us here until our day comes and our number's up. And the Lord takes us home. And that's kind of what he's saying here. Hey, my my number's not up yet. I don't have anything to worry about. And so verse 11, it says, These things he said, and after that he said to them, Notice, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Jesus calls Lazarus our friend. He was a friend to the disciples as well. They, They knew him well as a friend. They stayed in his home in Bethany. Uh, Bethany was on the road between Jericho and Jerusalem. It was the way that the uh, people traveling from Galilee up to Jerusalem would travel past Bethany. So it was a a convenient place for the disciples to stay when they would go to Jerusalem. He says here, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. And he's talking about his death. That's a nice way to talk about death. He's fallen asleep. That's how death is described for the believer in the Bible, falling asleep. And sleep is temporary, right? A person who goes to sleep gets up again. And it's speaking of the resurrection, right? A person who goes to sleep gets up again, and one day uh, the believer that dies, they'll be buried in the ground, and one day they'll, they'll get up again. They'll be resurrected. They'll be resurrected just like Jesus Christ was resurrected from the dead. In fact, in 1 Corinthians it says that Jesus Christ is the first fruits of the resurrection, meaning he's the first of many that will be resurrected. Those who've put their trust in Christ will also be resurrected. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 4, it says, When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, 
then shall we also appear with him in glory. We'll have a resurrected, glorified body, just like Jesus' resurrected, glorified body. Amen? That's the gospel, man. That's the good news of the gospel. That death is not the end for the believer. That there's life beyond the grave. That there's eternal life. Resurrected life through Jesus Christ. And so for the believer, death is like falling asleep. It's a temporary state. We're going to get up again. And let me, let me be clear here, though. Let me be clear that Jesus is not talking about what's referred to as soul sleep. Maybe you've heard that term before. Uh, soul sleep uh, is the belief that when a believer dies, their soul goes to sleep until the resurrection and they enter kind of a suspended state until the resurrection. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. The moment that your physical frame dies, you're in the presence of Jesus Christ. Instantly, instantaneously, in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, you'll be with Him. So again, verse 11, Jesus says, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. And then verse 12, then His disciples said, Well, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get well. They don't want to go to Judea. (laughs) However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. They they didn't understand that he was talking about Lazarus' death and that he was going to raise him from the dead. They think he's actually asleep, and so they say, Rabbi, if he's sleeping, he's going to get well. I mean, sleep is good when you're sick. Why don't we just let him sleep? There's no reason for us to go to Judea. Let's just stay here where it's safe. Let him sleep it off. He'll be fine. We don't need to go. And then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Whoa. Now the messengers that came and said, the one whom you love is sick. Jesus said to them, this sickness is not going to end in death. Now Jesus says, Lazarus is dead. But this isn't the end. Right? He says it's not going to end in death. And he's dead now, but that's not the end. You know, what the disciples need to understand is that when Jesus spoke of Lazarus being asleep, that he was going to wake him up, that he was going to raise him from the dead. He's teaching them about the resurrection here of the believers. That death is not the end. That there'll be a resurrection. Look at what he says in verse 15. And I'm glad for your sake, speaking to the disciples, that I was not there, that, here's why, you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Jesus says here in verse 15, I'm glad he's dead. He's talking on a divine level here. I'm glad he's dead. For your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there so that you may believe. Now, the disciples already believe. They believe in Jesus. They believe He's the Christ. They believe He's the Son of God. But but they need their faith strengthened. They already believe. And so Jesus does this so that they would believe to a greater degree, so that they would have a deeper understanding and a deeper faith in Christ, that they would understand the resurrection. And what happens to a believer when they die? that there's life after death, that there's a resurrection to come. And so he does this for his disciples to strengthen their belief. Our faith in Jesus Christ, it needs to be strengthened. Yes, we have faith in Jesus Christ. Yes, we believe he died on the cross for our sins. He was buried, 
resurrected. He's our Savior. He's our Lord. But we need our faith strengthened. And we need it strengthened. And we need it strengthened some more. And so what the Lord does is He puts us into circumstances and He puts us into situations where He can strengthen our faith. He allows Lazarus to die here to strengthen the disciples' faith. And sometimes God will put a situation into our life just suddenly where it gets us thinking about things we've never thought about before. Like what really happens when a person dies? How do we know there's a resurrection? And so now we come to verse 16. Then Thomas, who is called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. (laughs) Thomas is kind of a pessimistic guy, right? Uh, He's kind of the Eeyore of the disciples here. Let's just go die with him. Come on. He's called the twin. Uh, Some scholars believe he was called the twin because he resembled Jesus. That he was a twin in his resemblance to Jesus. So that may be why he doesn't really want to go to Judea, where they're trying to kill Jesus. You know, Thomas is sometimes called Doubting Thomas. That's usually what he's referred to as Doubting Thomas. Because after the resurrection of Jesus... Uh, He didn't believe the disciples when they told him that Jesus was resurrected from the dead. And he said, I'm not going to believe unless I see it myself. Uh, So he's sometimes called Doubting Thomas. he's, He's a skeptic in that sense. But Thomas, I like Thomas. I think Thomas gets a bad rap. Uh, uh, Thomas is honest. And I, I love his honesty. And I think that we can relate to his honesty. Uh, and I want to show you what I mean. If you just flip over to chapter 14, John's Gospel, verse 1. Jesus speaking, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Now verse 5, Thomas speaks up. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, and how can we know the way? Don't you love his honesty there? Right? Thomas says, I don't have any idea what you're talking about. You lost me at let not your heart be troubled. You know, what, what, are you, what are you talking about? Thomas was honest. Plus, I'm glad for Thomas's honesty. I'm glad that he said, I don't understand because of the great answer that Jesus gave in response to Thomas's question. In verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We wouldn't have John 14, 6 if it wasn't for Thomas saying, I don't know what you're talking about. Now go back to John chapter 11, verse 16. Thomas here, He says, well, let us also go that we may die with him. Thomas is courageous here. He shows courage. He's willing to go and die with Jesus. He's willing to deny himself and take up his cross, lay down his life for the cause of Christ. And in verse 17, so when Jesus came, as he's approaching the city of Bethany, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Funeral's over, body's buried, it's been buried. four days and this is where the story really really gets good he asked me how I know 
That's all we have time for today on Ring of Truth. Thanks for joining Pastor Dan as he continued his verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter study of the book of 1 John. If you'd like a copy of today's message, you'll be able to find it on our website, calvaryec.com. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes so you never miss an edition of this program. Every time we post something new, you'll be notified. We'd love to hear from you, too, and learn how Ring of Truth has impacted your life. Please take some time soon to give us a call at 410-491-4592. Please let us know how we can be praying for you, too. And if God's doing something wonderful, we'd love to rejoice with you. That number again to reach us is 410-491-4592. Do you live in the Baltimore, Washington area? If so, you're invited to join us here at Calvary Chapel this Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. for a time of worship and Bible study. Calvary Chapel is located in Columbia, Maryland, only minutes from Route 95, Route 29, or Route 100. Find out more at our website. One more time, that's calvaryec.com. With that, our time with you has come to an end. Tune in next time to learn more from the book of 1 John with Pastor Dan, right here on Ring of Truth.